Welcome to Disruptive Branding by Saffron Brand Consultants. In this podcast, we will share the most important insights that we have gathered from several decades of working closely with some of the world's most disruptive brands. We will show how every business, startup to enterprise, can design its brand using disruptive thought and action. From how-to sessions with members of our executive team to conversations with our clients, learn firsthand how to position your brand to compete with disruptive challenges and to challenge and disrupt yourself. In today's episode, Saffron Creative Director Drew Coughlin catches up with Hyperloop TT's CMO Robert Miller to delve deeper into the Hyperloop branding project, the challenges the mobility industry faces, and how their new brand is continuing to create real impact for their business. Firstly, obviously, thank you. Um, This is actually going to be really exciting because like we've just mentioned, um, it's been almost two years. Um, since, since we completed the project. Um, I think the easiest way to get the ball rolling is, you know, tell us a bit about yourself. Um, tell us a bit about Hyperloop TT and your role there. Sure, my name is Rob Miller. I'm the Chief Marketing Officer for Hyperloop TT. Uh, roles and responsibility, of course, include marketing and communications, and I'm uh, responsible for our, our Hyperloop passenger experience. Um, have been with the company now for a little over five years, five and a half years. And in that time, and you know, the Hyperloop industry in general is not that old. So we've been at this seven, seven, eight years. So, but in, in that time we've seen, it's, it's, been, it's been this amazing journey of going from a concept to something, that, to something that's, that's real and being built and, and happening and, and governments and, and legacy transportation companies recognizing. So to see Hyperloop come to life, um, you know, while you're, while you're talking about it and doing it has been, has been a blast. Yeah, because like the whole Hyperloop concept, as you said, you know, it's a relatively new concept and it's one of those things that you just need to, need to wrap your head around and we have to sort of have the same thing around, what is this technology? You know, what is this thing that we're trying to build a brand around? So can you give us a bit of a, just a really quick snapshot around what Hyperloop is for those who wouldn't know it? Sure. Yeah, I know, Drew, you mentioned that, that Hyperloop is, is, a, is a, in, it's a, t- a new term. Um, the technology itself or the idea behind Hyperloop actually spans back to a little over 150 years ago where, uh, where they were trying to build pneumatic tube underground railroads in both New York and, and London. The first patent for something that we would consider a Hyperloop was, uh, was about a hundred years ago. So the idea of us traveling in, in pneumatic tubes um, is something that we've, we've thought about and dreamt about for, for a long period of time. It's just, we've never really been able to achieve it as a society, uh, but it was popularized in, in 2013 uh, with Elon Musk and, and SpaceX and published a white paper uh, we were the first company to take it up two weeks after, uh, you know, when we think of mobility for the future, uh, we need to think about, uh, we need to think about, a, we need to think about carbon emissions. We need to think about sustainability. You know, when we, when we paused as a world in spring of 2020, uh, we stopped traveling. So we have a snapshot of what it's like to, to have a transportation, a global transportation system that emits less. And what we saw, you know, here in Los Angeles, we had the cleanest air in the United States for a few days, which is, which is unheard of. 
there are towns in, in India that saw the Himalayas for the first time in 30 years. So we have, we have this little snapshot of, of, um, of uh, you know, the, the world had an opportunity to heal a little bit. And you know, as, we're, as you're building out future transportation system, whether, whether they're, they're electric cars and electric vehicles or things like Hyperloop, it needs to be a, it needs to be a sustainable future. So that's um, you know, air travel as well. That is something that the entire industry is, is really focused on right now, uh, governments especially are focused on. And then, and then the others are, um, the others are the, this kind of revolution in, in, in automation. So, uh, you know, both from a, both from a safety perspective and from, um, you know, and from a movement perspective that, uh, you know, we're, we're slowly, we're slowly uh, kind of delegating this responsibility to, to computers and that, that can't come soon enough. Hyperloop is another, we're a completely automated system. Uh, so we're, we, we're joining that as well. And I think finally, it's it's the that I mean, you know, today really transportation modes of transportation don't really talk to each other. So we need we need to have a, an interconnected system. And so if you're taking a trip, you know, I may take a I may take a rideshare service as the first leg, get on a metro as the second leg, um, you know, take a take a bus to the airport as a third leg, fly to my destination, and then repeat that over. And that's four or five different tickets and schedules. And so there's no real, there's no real connection. There's no real communication between the two. And what you have is you have a lot of, um, you have a, a, it's, it's, not a, it's not the most efficient, it's not the most efficient system. So um, the reality is, and I think this is really interesting. Let, let's go back a hundred years, a little, little bit more than a hundred years. Let's go back to the turn of the century, 1900, all right? So the the patent for the first uh, the first the, the first vehicle I think was 1886, but really we're mostly traveling by horse and buggy when when we're in 1900. Um, fast forward three years, the Wright brothers have their first test flight, um, and then so between that time and 1969, 1969 we put a man on the moon. So the, the, we go, we go in a, a little over 60 years from horse and carriage to man on the moon. It's this massive revolution in, in mobility. Uh, and it's, it, moved, it moved us forward in ways that, that we couldn't imagine um, in 60 years. And so it's been about, it's been you know, about 60 years since we've, we've We've um, we've put someone on the moon. Well, a little less, 50, 50 some years since we put someone on the moon. Since we 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 really had that last revolution in mobility, and, and there hasn't been much really that's changed about transportation, except Drew that the the your flight is a little less comfortable. Uh, sitting in the middle row of a, a cramped plane and with my knees against the seat in front of me and. Um, fighting over the the armrest to my right and the armrest to my left, and getting maybe a little bag of peanuts thrown at me and a and, and a cup of water. It's not really a journey after your two hour wait in in airport security. And we really we've really gotten used to the idea that things change. I mean, everything that goes everything that's went into to this technology in the past 20, 30 years has uh, you know we just haven't seen that kind of evolution in, in mobility. I mean, we're great at moving bytes and bits, 
but we still haven't seen much change in, in how we move molecules, people and things. So uh, the exciting thing is that, that I think in the next 10 years, you'll see, you'll see more change than we've seen in the, the past 50. That's, that's, I think that's the time we're in for, for transportation. That's the time we're in for mobility. It's not easy because these, these, are, these are difficult structural changes, but it's happening. I think that's a super interesting point, picking up on those structural changes that need to happen, because obviously when we're sort of talking about travel and we think about travel, particularly that much sort of broader scale, it's, you know, it's, you know, crossing beyond, you know, geographies and crossing between countries and so forth like that. Um, what are some of like some of the challenges that, that Hyperloop as a technology faces when we're trying to overcome those types of types of things? Yeah, so I think the first, the first challenge is that, um, it, we've, as I mentioned, we've kind of accepted that we're not going to see much in terms of, in terms of evolution or, or, or iterations, or there's no revolution in transportation. And so there's kind of a status quo that's, that's hard to, that's hard to break. Um, when you have a, a new form of transportation, you're, you're also, you're also thinking is this particularly around speed when we talk about when we talk about traveling at the speed of sound, because Hyperloop was early advertised as this is speed of sound travel. It, I think about 10% of people are, are thrilled. Sign me up. I'm, I'm in. <laughs> Sign me up. But I think a lot of people are hesitant to, to say, well, you know, I'm, I'm not sure if this is something that's safe. So, so it's a, it, all those challenges with new transportation system, the reality is that Hyperloop is intrinsically safer than uh, has 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 some good safety points more than more than let's say rail travel today so so intrinsically it's a little safer and for us it's been really about um, communicating that point and um, you know in a, in a way where people really understand that this is a this is a safe form of transportation because I think that's one of the as well like one of the big sort of conscious points that we were trying to mentally think about um, when, we'll when we we're going through the project with you guys, it's sort of like, what, is, what was the equivalent of that sort of that first flight equivalent? You know, you could imagine people's hesitations, you know, going on those first commercial aircraft flights, going, is this a safe technology to fly, to, to fly on? But now, as to your point, it's the, the status quo. It's a pattern that you're sort of completely used to and just, you know, go, yeah, this is a thing that I'm completely conscious and used to doing. I think the other thing that will be interesting to hear from you is like, you know, we've sort of touched on it a little bit. You know, from the challenges point of view, what are the opportunities that sort of that that that, that presents that that this that this technology presents to us um, <clears throat> uh, beyond beyond more so from a um, technological point of view, but maybe from a maybe from a societal point of view. The reality is that if we enable hyperloop systems around the world, it can fundamentally change how how and where we work, how and where we live, um, and uh, it kind of brings. Can, it can bring cities together. It brings people together in a way that we haven't experienced before, particularly if the promises around, um, around efficiency and price come to life. This is something that, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, speeds of an airplane with, with the cost of a bus ticket. And uh, you, can look at, you can look at something like a map of Western Europe and turn that into a subway map. So, you know, you're, you, that you can really travel within anywhere in Western Europe and, and, and back home in a day in a Hyperloop. So what does that mean for, 
what does that mean for society? And do it in a way where it's completely emissions free. Now we've got we've still got a, a little ways to go before we before we're able to deliver on that promise. But that's the that's the kind of potential that that Hyperloop has between the speed and efficiency. And you can build you can build in a sense profitable systems. So for, for mass transportation, this is not as that you know as sexy as a point of speed. Uh, but for mass transportation, and, and particularly in high-speed rail, like, like maglev, they're heavily subsidized because it's, it's quite expensive to operate, to build and to operate. Um, so that, you know, when you're, when you're buying a ticket, part of it is paid for by the, the, the local or the state or the, the national government um, and your tax dollars. Uh, but the opportunity with Hyperloop is that, you know, based on our studies and, and third party studies that you, that Hyperloop becomes profitable within somewhere between 12 and 18 years. So you have a completely new way of, of funding and building a system. So along with the speed and sustainability, then you have something that they truly could be, truly could be revolutionary. And that's, that's why we're, we're so excited about it. And we know when we sat down with, you know, sitting down with you for the first time, I think you, you guys really understood the, the challenges that we were facing as a brand and as a, as a form of technology. And that, that thought really went into the, the entire process. Because you just picked up on something really, really nice there in terms of, you know, because from, from us as being brand, being brand uh, practitioners, effectively what a brand is, 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 a, is a promise. It's, you know, it's painting the picture of, what you want this what, what you want this experience to be and i think this is a nice little segue to going when you're going through that initial um journey of about to commence the project that you're looking to do a rebrand what were the sort of like the trigger moments that you had did going mm, what we what we have right now isn't quite going to get us to where we need to get to yeah we you know we were uh when we when we sat down for the first time i just kind of paint the picture we were a company in transition from something theoretical to something real. So I think we, you know, we were, the capsule was in construction, our full scale system, the first hyperloop was in construction, but nothing was, nothing was necessarily built. You know, we're start up with a, with a, with a kind of a startup identity. Um, no, no billionaire, uh, no eccentric billionaire attached to the, attached to the project, uh, but still a lot of, a, a lot of exposure. And, um, and the, the challenge was that, that, that there's nothing really exciting or sexy, sexy around HTT. And, um, uh, you know, kind of, uh, we had a, we, we were sitting with a retro future, retro future logo in a sense, because they kind of in 2013, that's what it felt like, but it's, it's now, it's now becoming something real. And I think the thing that we, that we recognized is let's let's try to build an iconic brand that can that can you know be easily understood what this is that can live on its own and that has the uh you know kind of the look and the feel of of a company that's that's uh you know that that is doing the things that we were doing that that's not just talking about it but actually doing and actually bringing it to life because I remember when we were sort of having some of those initial briefing sessions, there were, like, there were like some really big questions that we had to tackle around, you know, firstly, you know, to your point around naming, you know, like we were talking about earlier, Hyperloop is a relatively generic term. It's just like the same as playing, saying aeroplane or train and having that embedded within the name, how can we make that, how right. can we bring a level of ownability or recognizability 
through that name. And so when we got to that solution of going of you know, moving you guys from HCT to Hyperloop TT, you know, it's only a small little thing, but it's, you know, taking a bit of ownership in terms of the actual uh, naming positioning of the way that the brand can be expressed itself. Um, what were some of the other little challenges that we sort of faced within the project in terms of things that we needed to overcome from a, from like a marketing or a communications point of view? I think that, you know, we differentiate differentiating ourselves from from anyone else anyone else in the space was uh, was one of our challenges um, the the name was a was a big one I mean switching to we've seen switching to hyperloop TT and creating an identity around hyperloop TT has has helped us has helped us immensely in terms of in terms of awareness there was um, you know, HTT is fairly, fairly generic and, uh, and honestly not that exciting. So just that, that name switch, both internally and externally, uh, and the, 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 the brand identity we built around the visual identity we built around it re really helped along with, um, small things like, uh, small things like, um, giving it, giving it a strong, um, you know, creating a strong visual world, uh, really, I think helped to take the brand to the. The brand and and our company to the next level. Yeah. I think one of the thing I think one of the sort of really important things that we almost picked up on there was, you know, ensuring that we didn't ensuring that it didn't feel like a technology brand. You know, there was very much those humanistic elements that we we're talking about before those those yeah. those those societal benefits that we wanted to make sure that we play into the brand. So it had sort of the some of the you know what you call design codes of transportation, that sort of built came from a particularly a storytelling point of view around around you know the you know the, the actual term that we're kicking around was you know more instead of you know having less time you actually get more time because you're actually spending more time with the people that you want to spend time with rather than right. spending less time getting to where you need to get to from 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 a to b right. i think one of the things would be sort of really cool to hear from you in terms of what did you find or what what did you learn through the process of going through something like this um, you know, from, from, you know, being able to, to shift a brand from where it was to where you wanted it to be. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, we had several, several attempts over the years and several starts and stops to kind of go, to go through this. And I mean, going through, a, you know, doing a rebrand is, is never easy because there are a lot of, there are a lot of stakeholders, both internally and externally that, um, you know, have, will have a say and are attached to the brand. So I think for us, it really took something special to be able to make it happen. Um, and as a startup, we're, who, who, are, who are building a, a massive engineering project. There's, you know, it's not something where we can, where we can, where we're going to throw a lot of money behind the rebrand in a sense. So the you know the new visual identity needs to be strong enough to convince both our internal stakeholders that this is something that's that's worth doing particularly the the founder of the company who you know helped to to you know build the first uh, the, the the first brand for for what we call an HTT and uh, and build awareness for it so you know when you when you rebrand there's there's a there's a uh, there's a there's a period of time where you know, there, there needs to be an adjustment from from one one identity to the next identity, and the the amazing thing was I don't think we skipped a beat. 
honestly, I think it happened. Once it happened, there was, uh, you know, it, it, it was, it, it seemed almost, almost seamless. And, and the, the buildup to it is, is always challenging. But you guys did a, such an amazing job kind of bringing something compelling to life so that it, I think from an aesthetic point of view, and we, you know, we talked about all those principles, you know, giving back more time and, and those principles built in, but the, the hidden engineering gems too, like, um, like things like we, you know, the, the, the secret is for Hyperloop, the secret sauce is reducing friction and drag and this, this new form of magnetic levitation. So, um, you know, kind of shaping, shaping uh, some of the lines to, to reflect that, that, drop in, that drop in friction and providing this little levitation gap between the, you know, I think it's the T and the, yeah, and the thing. It's the, it's, the, it's the stem and the crossbar of the T's. Yeah, pr probably, probably no one. Probably no one gets it. No one gets it. No one gets it, but, but, but for, for us. But we know what it is. <laughs> yeah, we have, this, we have this really cool and amazing story. And it's something that resonates with, with our engineers and something they really were able to get behind because, you know, if you, we, we build in the secret sauce into the, visually into the, into the name. Yeah. I think that was probably one of the most little, one of the, one of the nicest little aha moments when we're going through the process of being able to, because I think it was even possibly um, one of the little comments going, if we just change the foot of the R just a fraction, it'll actually represent that graph and we got it. Yeah. And then being had that correlation to, to that little TT and then that gave us that little bit of design DNA that we can then you know, drop into all the different elements of, as a part of the identity, whether it was the iconography, or some of like the, you know, some of the type of, some, some of the typographic treatments that we could put onto the side of the capsules and so forth. It was one of those little, get you know, one of those little unlocking moments where, you know, some things, you know, started to align quite nicely and everything like that. Um, I know we're sort of getting close to time and we want to sort of keep this nice and short. Um, you know, it's been, it's been two years since, since, since we've gone through the project. Um, Sort of just looking back and playing and playing through what has the brand been allowed? Been, what's what's the brand been able enabled you to do since then? Uh, so I think there there have been, you know, a few things that have happened in the in the past few years, uh, and you know that aligned well with when we when we did the the, the rebrand. Is that I think for for at least governments and there are obviously still skeptics out there, and and I think it's that's. That's healthy, but for legacy transportation players, for both the public and private industry, for governments, um, you know, we're seeing a a belief in Hyperloop. So it's not that if Hyperloop is going to happen, it's a matter of when Hyperloop is going to happen. So there's there's an infrastructure bill that's um, that's going through Congress now, and. Uh, Hyperloop systems are now part of the Federal Railroad Authority. There's a whole division within the Department of Transportation, the, the very conservative Department of Transportation. Um, Hyperloop is written into the, this infrastructure bill. So they, they see it as a, as a form of transportation. So we've been able to, you know, both through, both through the, um, you know, building this full scale and, and studying it, I think, and, and getting the brand across. We've really been able to present present ourselves and present this concept as something that is that is worth investigating, but it's it's something that now people believe in. So I don't know what the magic formula is is for that, but I, I know that um, you know at least for for us that that that's played a role. Yeah, 
I think that's pretty amazing to hear that that is the type of change that's being affected right now in terms of you guys being able to sort of take the idea of Hyperloop, but you know, Hyperloop TT being the, being the sort of the vehicle to be able to take that, to be able to take that forward, which is, which is, which is incredible. Um, and we'll just leave it on one last little note. So obviously you guys have just launched Hyperport. That looks incredible. Um, what else is on the cards that you're able to let us know with what, you know, you've mentioned before you've got, you know, an HBO series coming in, was it, I think, or, um, yeah, so there's there's a, there's a lot of things happening. Um, the we we're very excited about Hyperport. Um, so this is essentially, you know, we talk a lot about moving people from one place to another and the benefits. Uh, this is a a project that we've done with um, uh, the Port of Hamburg operator H eight or eight, the Port of Hamburg operator HHLA, and um, they're the largest they're a large operator, um, one of the most we think technologically advanced company in that world it's a completely automated system um, but it falls apart where you're putting the freight containers on the truck so the 45 minute wait outside of the port for you for um, for polluting trucks to line up and and uh, pick up the cargo and go through the city and so we're we we've designed a system that will transport those those freight containers to an inland essentially create an inland port um, and there's been a lot of interest in the industry around hyperport the next step for us is uh, we're going to build a Hyperloop system that you and I can ride. And that the first one will be five or 10 kilometers. Um, there, there will be one or several systems around the world where essentially that will be the, we can, you can see what it's like to, what it feels like to ride a Hyperloop, but it's also, it's also the, the track that we'll use to, to help to finalize the regulation so that we can build city to city Hyperloops. To end on that bombshell, um, I think that's a pretty amazing vision to look forward to in the next eight or so years. So I think, Rob, firstly, thank you very much. You know, as always, your insights into this are amazing, and you know, in, insights into you know an ever an ever blooming technology is even more exciting to, to to hear more of. So thank you very much. Thanks, Drew, and and uh, you know, you guys were a really important part of the journey. So it's 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 always a pleasure to chat again and. Uh, uh, your, your insight is always appreciated. Thank you for listening to this episode of Disruptive Branding. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe and do leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. It helps other brand lovers to find us.